Thank you, thank you. Take your seats. Thanks, Pastor Pauline and Pastor Kylie, for your wonderful uh, presentations there. Uh, who had a wonderful Sunday? Who had a good Sunday? So tonight I want to be uh, sharing on a few things that I, you know, I'm going to talk around in circles. But Sunday, when the church comes together, as we do, is really, really important. And sometimes we just don't understand the value of what we've got because we get so used to it, we get so um, comfortable with it, and we can take it for granted. But uh, I want to use tonight to spin something into your heart about the importance of the church together. And um, in, the, you know, in the book of Acts, the church didn't come together on Sunday. It says they came together daily in the temple and in homes and people got together and they prayed. They had the Lord's Supper, which was communion. Uh, and they, they spent a lot of time together and they studied the word, which uh, was important to them and it's still important today. I've got a couple of quotes for you this uh, tonight. Oh, there they are. Who put them up already? Oh, thank you. Will this work? Or normally doesn't with me. It's got something in it that says don't work in my hand. So, quote, spiritual growth is about progress, not perfection. And that's from that wonderful little booklet called The Word for Today. And I really want to encourage you again, because we don't come together every day, take The Word for Today and read that and get the, get the Word of God into your heart and uh, let the devotional part of it that you read speak to you and you get something of the uh, uh, essence of God working in you every single day in the privacy of your own home. Um, this other one is just an interesting quote that I read. The problem with the world is that the intelligent people are full of doubts while the stupid ones are full of confidence. Oh, everyone loves that one, eh? So tonight, uh, I'm going to start my message with, um, it's titled, You, the Leader. And so we're all at different uh, points of our journey. And you need to understand something from my perspective is I still think that I'm just starting. I've never, I've never found myself at this place where I think I'm experienced in the ministry, that I think I know how to preach. I can absolutely guarantee you every single week when I'm thinking about what I'm going to preach about, I've got no idea. And I know I'll come out with these series and all that stuff, but I don't even know where they come from. I, 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 I find that if, if I'm thinking, well, how do I even construct a message I don't know but what I find is that the more I've been walking with God the, the more I want to learn and that there's more that I think that I need to know and so I don't ever uh, want to become a person who thinks uh, I've arrived that, I, that I'm, that I'm uh, able to uh, say I've, I've completed this ministry thing because I, I, I still think I'm miles away from it. I've never felt really much beyond I'm just the new kid around here. And, and I don't really think that that's a problem because it keeps me relying upon God for everything that I need to do. So tonight I want you to get this, this little sentence, you the leader, into your thinking. Now some of us here are in leadership roles and some of you are on teams. But what I'm here to share with you tonight will be 
relevant and helpful whatever role you're in right now. See, you can develop the leader within you. And I think that's the whole, whole concept of what God wants to do in our lives. The other Sunday, I had a, a prophetic word for our Bible college graduates, and that word uh, was you didn't do Bible college to be doing what you're doing right now. Now, that's a pretty big thing to say, a pretty broad word as well. But leadership begins well before it, it's recognized by other people. Leadership begins somewhere in your life when you start to take responsibility for things that aren't even yours yet. So we're going to look at some of these things and where it starts. Um, a couple of points if you're taking notes. Leadership development requires personal discipline. It means that you have to be responsible for disciplines in your own life. It means you need to be well-grounded and a secure person to become a great leader or a good leader even. Because we all know what it's like to be around someone who is in leadership but they're not secure. And what that looks like, it's usually that they're... they're operating out of defensiveness all the time they're, they're worried about who's coming up behind them they're, they're going to be threatened by every little thing so we all appreciate the leader who's well grounded and secure in themselves because they make good leaders but leaders emerge from their commitment to what others ignore you know i'm reminded of a time i was in church and um a person you know was desiring leadership it happened here in this church, just over in that corner. I'll show you the, the piece of carpet. And, and they were going in for their dinner and a piece of cake fell off their plate and it fell on the ground and splattered. And I was, was just watching and, and they looked at the cake and then walked off, left it there. And then they're saying to me, bring it on, pastor. I'm, I'm ready for leadership. I thought, that said, if you're not ready to clean up the cake, you're not ready for leadership. The take, leadership takes responsibility and sees things that others don't see. Now, I think from memory, somebody else saw the cake and cleaned it up. That person's ready for leadership. I don't know who, who it was. <laughs> Should have taken more notice. But leadership begins well before it's recognized by others. And leaders emerge from their commitment to what others ignore. So for us tonight, the most important factor is this. And get ready for it. The call of God. So we're going to look at that in a sec. We had a great time at Alliston, by the way. Kimberly led really awesome uh, in worship. It was a great you know, presence, a great feeling. Um, Carlos preached. It was, he did a great job. Really an amazing job. And for someone who said, oh, I think I've got about 10 minutes, he did awesome. It was fantastic. Um, so, you know, I just want to, want to say, we are so blessed with so many good people in our church. And don't get in the, in the doldrums about what we don't got yet. Just start saying, God, you're doing an awesome thing around here. There's so many good people. There's so much uh, good things happening in this church. Even if the car park's not finished, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm the only person who worries about that. But the call of God, it's something that we have all different ideas about. 
But hopefully tonight I want to bring some clarity to what that means for us today. So two factors to the call of God. And we're going to be looking at Moses a little bit. Exodus 33 verse 13. Um, Before we get to that, there's two factors why people miss their purpose in life. And the first factor, um, let me see if I've got that. Here they are. They're the ones, yeah. Why people miss their purpose is the first thing is they don't have confidence in the call of God. And so when you don't have confidence that God has called you, that God knows who you are and knows what he put in you, then you're always going to live doubting God's purpose. You're always going to be living doubting God's word because you might read the Bible and think, well, that's a really nice story, but that'll never be me. I'll never be a David. I'll, I'll never be a, a Saul who, who became Paul. Uh, I, I, you read all the, all the things and think, well, I could never be a Daniel or a Joseph or any of these other great people we read of in the Bible because somewhere between what you're reading and what, what, you're, what you're looking into, you doubt the call of God about that in your own life we need to really settle that issue tonight because i know um, some of you here tonight have those doubts it's not a criticism but it's something that god wants to, to take off you so that you can be launched into what god has for you the second part is never take um never take notice of something small to begin with and there's so many opportunities around us every day that may seem small, may seem insignificant, may seem of no purpose to you right now, but you're the one who sees it. And so I I can remember um, things in our church right here where people have seen things and said, well, can we do this? Or can can we have that? Now, I'm okay, but I'm not going to catch the monkey. So if God has spoken to someone about that then and they come to me and say can we do this or that they're not it's okay if they want to carry that in the right context but i'm not going to carry the burden that was meant for you because that will kill both of us so i have a question for every leader here today and i'm speaking to everybody here as a leader because you're a leader to yourself and if you don't lead yourself well you'll never lead anyone well and i want you to be the less the best leader for you so that you can be the best leader for God and lead others into a, into a greater destiny. So the question I have for you today as a leader, you've got to ask yourself um, this relevant question, and we're going to look at, uh, I'm going to get to the question in a sec, that scripture I had up just a second ago from Exodus 33 verse 13. This is Moses talking to God. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more, so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor and remember this nation is your very own people. So the question that you need to ask to God is this. If it, if it is true that you like me, God, because this is what Moses went to God and, and asked this seemingly strange question. If it's true, God, I've, I've just used the, the paraphrase there, God, if you like me. So I want you to see some points here about Moses. Sometimes we wonder about God's call and his purpose. And Moses here shows us that after all that he's been through with God, all the things that he's seen, he's saying, but God, if you still like me, 
then you need to teach me some stuff. So some of the things like Moses saw, he saw the plagues in Egypt um, that, that God put upon the Egyptians. He walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. He saw the Egyptian army being destroyed as the waters came back over them. Uh, he saw uh, water from a rock that miraculously God opened up to, to, so the people of Israel could, could drink. Um, he met God on Mount Sinai and saw, and saw God from behind and wasn't killed. He, he, he's had all these amazing experiences with God and yet here he is saying, God, if it's true, look favorably upon me. God, if you still, if you like me, then you've got to help me. You think, oh, I think that's amazing that after everything that Moses had gone through, it says in this that he still had doubts about the call of God. That's amazing to think about that concept. It shows us that even... Um, in our own life, if we've personally been close to God and had experiences with Him where He's touched us in some way and experienced His goodness, insecurity and doubt can still affect us. And, and I've got to ask, why is that? But it's not something unique because often we, we have these feelings, we have these, these thoughts and we think, well, it's only me. I'm the only defective one like this. You know what? You're in the company of Moses. And, and Moses, Moses was an incredible leadership, uh, leader. Sorry. Leadership has two components that we need, to, we need to get a hold of. If I get my things right here. No, I probably haven't got them up there for you. I've got to get someone to help me with my PowerPoints one day. I'll get, I'll get a 10-year-old to do it and I'll be right. But leadership has two components. On one side, it's walking and talking with God. That's a must-do. So that's component number one. If you want to be a leader for God, you've got to walk and talk with God. So how you do that, you know, we talk about this all the time in church, about having a personal quiet time, reading your Bible, uh, praying, going to church, all those things at times where we are walking with God in that time where God feeds us and speaks to us and encourages us. On the other side is walking and talking with people. Now, walking and talking with God's a must and walking and talking with people is a must. Because there is nowhere in Scripture, nowhere I see as a pattern where it's like, well, they just walked with God and they walked alone. Rubbish. You've got to walk with people. They annoy us. They pull us down. They embarrass us. They, 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 there's all kinds of things that walking with people does, but they also lift us and encourage us and motivate us. And when we work together, we're much, much more effective. So we've got to, on one side, we're walking with God. And on the other side, we're walking with people. And they're both important. They're both musts. So when with God, though, we're encouraged. It's positive And often it's clear. And I, and I think we need to get a clarity in our relationship with God because God's a God of order, a God of clarity, a God of showing us which way to go. And if you're always saying, well, I just don't know what God wants, I just don't know where I should go, then you're probably walking in the wrong direction all the time. Ooh, that hurts. But when there's confusion, when there's like, well, I don't, I don't know, you know what, what I should do, I'm confused, um, I, I don't know where, where, what doors God's opening, I don't know what doors God's closing, I, I, you know, oh, pastor, you've got to help me. No, 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 you've just got to stop what you're doing and say, God, I'm going to follow what you're doing. I want to be where you are, Lord. 
and the confusion will go. The, 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 the other issues will sort themselves out. The problem is we're, we're going our direction. We're saying, God, bless me, bless me, show me the way. And God's saying, I'll show you the way, but that's not it. Come back. Come back to the light. So walking with God, there's encouragement that's positive and it's clear. And when with people, if we're focused on just that relationship more than with God, there's fogginess, there's discouragement, there's uncertainty. All these different things creep in. So Moses is in this place. He's spending amazing times with God and, and he's having an incredible like, relationship with God like no one else has ever had. And it is coming down to the people who are just totally stubborn. And totally frustrating and annoying. And he asks God a favor. Let me know your way so I can understand you more fully. So be the person that when you have questions, you ask God for the answer. We're going to look at you know, who other, who other, or what other ways we can, we can get answers to life, but be the person that when you have a question, you ask God for the answer. So back to our two factors. Factor number one, not having confidence in the call of God. Moses wasn't confident either, yet God had a huge plan for him. And sometimes we're thinking, well, maybe God hasn't got a purpose or a plan for me because I just don't feel confident about it. I just, don't, I, just, I just don't know whether God's with me or not. I'm not really sure. Moses was in the same boat. And he asked God to teach him. And there ought to be that hunger in every leader to pursue the thoughts of God and apply that to the ministry. And, and we're going to look at some of the small things that we need to look at because you've got to look after the leader within you so that then you can lead others. And, it's, and, and, and leadership is, is going to be the person who says, well, I'm going to make sure everything in my you know, area that, that I'm looking after gets covered. That there's no one else has to check again because I've already done it. And I'm the one who's checked and double-checked. And I'll, and I'll come in two or three times a week to make sure that things are done. You, you know, they're, they're the things that set up the Moses from everybody else. So the other factor, um, sorry, we're still on, on the first one. People say things like, we say this about people, and hopefully we, we, we don't hear, but I've heard it in other places. Oh, then he or she's not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. You ever heard that saying? They're a little bit, you know, sloppy. You know, they're, they're the, 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 the loose one, the, the one who, who doesn't pull their weight, all that kind of stuff. We say these kind of things about other people. They're not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. But you know what? You don't have to be if God made you the hammer. And so we, we've got to shake off words that people have spoken to us sometimes. We have to say, well, I don't care. I don't care if I can't do do stuff on the computer because God didn't make me to do that. I don't, have to, I don't have to worry if I can't sing because God didn't want me to sing. I don't have to be the sharpest tool in the toolbox because a hammer doesn't need to be sharp. But it's used for something else. It's used for bashing nails in. And sometimes we need to have some nail bashers around the place. And sometimes we need to have some shavers around the place. They need to be sharp. 
the, the next thing, point B, is noticing small things or someone who, who lets the leadership on their life slip away is a person who stops noticing small things. God always selects those who take notice of what others ignore. And so you might think, well, you know, I'm just taking a hypothetical thing. I've been in charge with, with, with three kids on Sunday. There's just three kids turn up to this kids program. That's all there is. There's only three. Oh, you know, I'm not going to. There's only three little brats. I'm not even going to prepare. There's only three of them. There's only kids. They don't even notice that I'm not prepared. So they just turn up. Hey, yeah, watch this DVD. Here's, uh, what is it? Veggie Tales. That'll do you. Little, little stooges. I'll have a sleep while you're watching it. Or whatever it is. It's just cups of tea for people. I, I don't have to prepare for that. Oh, the urn's not on. Oh, well, no tea today. Have cordial. We don't do that. If you're a leader, you've got to develop the leader within you that says it's my responsibility. I've only got three kids. I've got everything that God's put into me that I can put into their lives. I can speak from experience. I've run youth groups of three or four. I had a youth group got up to about, got up to about seven and I had to kick three of them out. How to build a youth ministry. Get rid of the, 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 the bad ones. But you know what? We've, we've got to start noticing small things because your leadership potential is locked up in the small things. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's a cup of tea or how you welcome someone if you're on a welcome team or how you straighten out a chair. They're all important to God. And God will see who's the person who, who worries about a, a crinkled up poster in the poster holder. It's that attention to detail that God says, that one. And we can have kid, you know, kids here today or, or leaders today in our kids ministry who God is going to open incredible doors for the future because they're saying it matters for a small detail. And you know what? You need to know this too. Your pastors don't need that on Sunday morning and want you to fix it. Because I have people come to me and say, Oh, Pastor Rob, have you seen it in the car park today? I go, Yes, I know. I knew that on Wednesday, but we can't fix it. We haven't got a, an excavator here right now. So come back on Monday and get on the excavator for me. How about that? But some of these things you, you don't have to know on Sunday morning. Because usually, you know, if someone's bleeding to death or something, yeah, we need to know that. But other times it just means, hey, you know what? That isn't ideal. Well, maybe I need to, I need to isolate that wetness on the floor so people can't slip. So take some initiative. People have come to me on Sundays and say, two minutes before church, says, oh, someone spilled some water on the, on the, in the foyer. Super pastor will fix that. Watch me with the mop. Get this, go. God always selects those who take notice of what others ignore. Right. Exodus 3, verse 3. Exodus 3, verse 3 is the story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses' call began the day he turned aside when he noticed a burning bush. Now those burning bush moments where God gets your attention and throws something at you that you never expected. 
I'm going to show you how those moments happen. Before you all go running off to the Gawler Ranges to search for the burning bush, I'm going to give you a suggestion here tonight because there's people who come up with the, the most dumbest things about how God's going to speak to them. Oh, I, I've had people say to me here, you know, I'm just going to stay away from church for a while because I just need to spend time with God. Ding back. I'll be kind. I won't give you their names. But you don't have to go running off into the, into the wilderness to search for the, for the bush. But here's a suggestion. This is from my experience. I can't really say that my life was changed by, by counselling, though I've had plenty of that when I've needed it. We need that. We need to talk to people sometimes. We need to get advice. We need to get counsel. Um, and, and I know I've, I've needed that at times, especially when things don't work out how I want. I want to go and whinge to somebody. But I can't say that really that has changed my life or given me massive direction shifts. It's maybe prodded me a bit in the right direction. Psalm 36, verse 30 to 31 says, The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from, the, from his path. There's a huge... Um, thank you. I'll let you do that. You'll probably get the right ones up too. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They've made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. See... Have godly counsellors with a proven record that you go to. I don't want to go to a mechanic who can't fix his own car. And I don't want to go to someone who can't fix their own marriage. I need to find someone who, who I can think, well, their, their, their life is in order. They're, they're living an example. That I need to go to that person to talk to and to find out how they're doing that. I don't go to... To a, to a person who's, whose church is run down and never has anything and is broken and they've, they've got no workers or volunteers and say, well, how do you do that? Because if I, if I follow their example, then we'll have the same. I've got to find people in, in, in my world that can give me a context to help our church grow and flourish. And I talk to people like that and I ask them questions. I say, well, what would you do if you had this happen? How did you deal with those things in your church? And they give me counsel. And then that flows into my life and then into the relationships I have as a leader. But have godly counselors with a proven record. But virtually all of my significant life-altering call of God junctions have happened in church services that's a huge amazing thing maybe you, you didn't get it quite right but virtually all of my significant life-altering call of god junctions have happened in church as i started today we need to get an appreciation of what church is and why it's so important in our life so attention to that one detail to you as a leader, can be the most powerful thing in your future direction. See, the reason why that is, it's a place charged with faith. 
full of the Holy Spirit and the word is preached. The word's explained. The word is activated in our life. And I, I can't say that I've always come to church thinking today's going to be the day where God's going to suddenly speak to me. You, you just do it out of, out of a, a sense of relationship with others. And, and when you're in that environment and you've made that commitment, you've laid your life down to become part of a body, then God is going to speak to you. When you're in that environment, you'll encounter the fire moments. And God says this about his word. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will will accomplish all that I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So we don't want to be a a church of services without the preached word. You know, I had pressure upon me early in my time here as a pastor. People say, oh, let's not have a church service. Let's not have any preaching. We're just going to have cafe. That's all right, but coffee can only do so much. I want us to be a place where we reverence the word of God. I want to be, I want to be in a church where we're saying the word of God changes lives. And you know, we read it for ourselves and we, we can absorb the word into our spirits, into our hearts. But, this, but there is also this, it's like a hothouse or a greenhouse of, of uh, growth when you're in an environment of faith together with people. And it changes your direction. It gives you a purpose. You know, we can look at other people and think, well, you know, as I've said before, when you walk with God, you get the clarity, you get all those things. But also people can drain you, but you've got to have those people around you who are the godly counsel, who they sharpen my life. They give me a better perspective. They tell me, hey, you know what? That's not, that's not good thinking. That's not good talking. That's negative. That's, that's, a, that's against the call and purpose of God. And one of the things that you really, really, really have to watch in this church, because it's something that, that I saw when I was here as an assistant pastor, and the, the tentacles linger on, is you've got to learn to support your pastor and your leader. You don't go around saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to pull their pants down and expose them. You know what happened to... Um, Noah's sons one saw his dad's nakedness and he went he's drunk exposed him to his shame the other brothers they got a blanket and walked him backwards so they didn't see it and they covered him now you're going to see leaders do dumb stuff especially if I'm that leader because we have weaknesses we're human but it takes a bigger person to say you know something that that is something that we can cover Because in Ephesians 4, it says, make allowances for each other's faults because of love. Because pastors, believe it or not, are doing that every day. Talk about safer safer churches. We need to to have a policy about how to protect your pastor. That's true. We don't ever want a church service without the preach word. Because that's the power that changes everything everything and I know sitting in church as as a teenager thinking about all the things that that I couldn't do all the things that I didn't know all the inconsistencies all the doubts about the call of God but I'd be in church and be listening and somewhere in all my own confusion my own doubts my own weaknesses my own failures God's going and I'd, I'd get a word in my spirit and go 
And God would speak to me in meetings and say, you're going to preach one day. I'm thinking, that'll never happen. But God would be putting these things into my spirit in church. Even when I didn't want to be there sometimes. We never should underestimate the power of the church together. You've got to talk it up. You've got to believe it up. You've got, to, you've got to do everything to preserve the unity in the church. Our name, One Heart, isn't an accident because it's what God wants us to develop and produce is a one-hearted attitude. And when we start to get closer and closer as people to God and to each other, the anointing of God is a natural response. But you, you've got to learn to make part of your vocabulary to lift others around you. Lift your leaders. If you've got a department leader, you've got to be saying, I'm going to lift them. I'm going to do everything I can. So, so in kids' church, you're saying, hey, leader, little, little links thing. You're saying, hey, leader, what can I do? Is, is, the, is, is this room going to be clean today? Am I going to leave a mess? You be the one. Because the person who sees a small detail is the person God's going to choose. So we've got, to, we've got to be the one. If it doesn't start with you, who's it going to start with? So coming to an end, one heart church, God has called us to this. Don't doubt the call. Don't doubt your call from God. One heart church, God has called us to this now. This is our time. Don't think, well, I'm going to wait. Sometimes we're, honestly, some people, not looking at anyone, they're probably not here tonight. Some people think, I'm just going to finish my beer. Because they're thinking, I still want to have this part of my life. So when, when I get that sorted, then I'm going to serve God. Some people are saying, well, I'll, I'll just wait until this relationship's finished. And, and then I'm going to serve God. I'll just wait until my kid's a bit bigger. Then I'll serve God. I'll just wait until I finish my degree. Then I'll serve God. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. And I'll just wait. God is calling you now. God has a purpose for the now, not just the future. And those small nows are the difference between tomorrow and what God can have you do then. So what we put off now just puts off our purpose a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And as I said a few weeks ago in church, we're so used to saying no to God because we're so full of everything else that we think that's normal. And we say to each other, that's okay. Put, put those things first. God understands. No, he doesn't because God has to be the peerless, perfect one who you give your first and best to. So God doesn't understand when we make dumb excuses about things. I'm venting on you and that's not nice. Ephesians 4 verse 1 it is a significant verse, a significant part of, you know, we need to go over and I, I often take myself back and just go, Lord, let me see what you brought me to Port Lincoln to do. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 7, build a church according to that is what the Spirit told me to do. And it starts off, live a life worthy of your call because you have been called. And that's, the, I think, the most important thing that God wants me to translate to the church is Live a life worthy of your call because you have been. There's nothing worse than saying, well, we've got the call, but we're not living worthy of it. So we're wasting opportunities. We're squandering our time. We're, we're, we're not giving God what 
what we need to do. We're, we're walking past the piece of paper on the floor. We're walking past the person who needs a lift for church. We're walking past the needs of others because we haven't lived up to the call. The call's now, today. Our challenge is to give ourselves to God's call. And it is a challenge because we fight against our, our wants and our desires and our way. And then we're walking further and further into the fog. Thinking, what's Beth doing in my way again? Confront the doubt. Put the doubt down. Sometimes I think we just keep grabbing things, keep holding on to things like, like our doubts and our, 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 I guess, inability to grasp what God wants us to, to, to take. You are called by God. It's about tuning our heart and our spirit to small things that will become junction moments. I want people to have junction moments in church. I still have junction moments in church. And the thing is, I never know when they're going to happen. But I don't want to miss it because I wasn't there. I know as a, as, as a young man in my early 20s, and that I wasn't committed to church. wasn't committed to anything, really. It was just like, well, if it's convenient, I'll be there. If, if, I've got to, if I think there's something else happening somewhere, I'll go there. But you know something? We've got to, we've got to develop. If we're going to develop the leaders within ourselves, we've got to say, God, help me to put my roots down. Help me to know where I belong. Help me to die to myself in that, in that respect so that I can grow and be strong and be effective for your purpose. It's about tuning your heart and your spirit to those small things. We have the best in front of us as a church. We have the best in front of us in these days. And I just want to encourage you today not to, um, not to miss those junction moments. Sunday church is important. And, and being together is important. Worshipping God together is important because when we worship, we're taking back the, the thing that the devil wanted us to be separated from because Satan's whole purpose was to stop you worshipping God. And if he's done that, he's won. When we come together corporately and saying we're here, it's a part of heaven. It's like a picture of heaven of this amazing time where we're together of one heart and accord and we're just focusing on Jesus our Lord and the devil hates that we're going to pray today um, I'm really really excited about uh, things that God is doing has done and is going to continue to do here in in this church in and through us um, I'm excited about the team going to Thailand and uh, I want to pray for them to, tonight and uh, we'll probably pray for them on Sunday as well, but I want to pray over them as many times as we can because I believe that God doesn't want to take you there so you can eat funny food and, and experience something different. God wants to do a work in your life so that you start to see small things that you wouldn't see if you stayed here in this, in this city. So we're going to just, I think we've got Sharon, Kerry and Tracy and Michael. Um, why don't you guys just stand up where you are? You're sort of all in a little clump there, so maybe move around a bit. And I want people to gather around them and start to prophesy and speak over them words of life. Maybe we have some, some theme music happening here. It would be really good too. But we're going to just, I'm going to pray. You lay hands on them. If you feel you've got a prophetic word to give one of those guys, so if each one of them can have a little um, group of people around them laying hands on them, 
Let the prophetic begin to work through you tonight. And let's really believe that God starts to open eyes. God starts to reveal the things that have been hidden in their own lives, in their own abilities, in their own talents. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.